0: The Department of Justice recently said it would not bring criminal charges against Hillary Clinton for her use of private email servers that combined her personal email with highly sensitive government email while she served as Secretary of State. But what security and privacy lessons should other entities learn from the Clinton email controversy and other instances of unsanctioned, unofficial use of so-called shadow IT? I'm Miriam Kolbisak mcgee Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Mac McMillan, CEO of security consulting firm Synergistuck. Mac is also a former Information Security Director in the Department of Defense. Mac will be speaking to us about his security advice for organizations dealing with shadow IT situations. Now, Mac, Hillary Clinton apparently used private email servers for years while serving as Secretary of State. When it comes to the healthcare sector, what sorts of unsanctioned uses of email do you most commonly see that puts patient data and other sensitive information at risk?
1: The use of Personal email, I think it's kind of a misnomer as we were, as we're talking about shadow IT, because typically shadow IT is more geared around different productivity applications and different tools that users will use to help do their job, either in the way in a manner that they are more comfortable doing it, or in a manner that they think is more efficient or more effective. Generally speaking, using your personal mail for business purposes is typically a convenience thing. It's not typically looked at as a shadow IT thing because in most cases, organizations have a mail system which is completely capable of handling whatever mail needs an individual has, and their personal mail is, is no different. It's just a matter of wanting to use their personal mail as opposed to wanting to use their, their corporate mail. But it is a kind of shadow IT in the sense that it is another application that somebody could be using out there. But this is pretty common, Marianne. We have, I mean, you look at any of the estimates that I've seen and it ranges anywhere from 20 to 35% of the applications that organizations find in their environments can be these shadow IT or these shadow applications that users have enabled or are using for one business purpose or another. What's interesting though is that. Is that in most cases they're not doing it because they're trying to you know get around something or beat something or whatever. Although that could be the case, but most often, given reason for why they turn to another application that's part of the shadow IT world is they're trying to get their job done. It's they're just they're literally just trying to get their job done and trying to find a, a better, more efficient, more effective way to, of doing it.
0: So when it comes to the healthcare sector, what sorts of other shadow IT or unsanctioned uses of IT do you usually come across that present security concerns beyond email?
1: Well, there can be different scheduling apps, there can be calendar apps, there can be certain apps for storage of information uh, such as cloud apps or applications where they where there's a different way of performing a particular process that the user is more comfortable with, or likes better, or what have you. And of course, these applications are hosted, typically hosted in public environments, and so they raise all kinds of concerns for security when they when you start putting patient information out there or other information out there that, that could potentially be sensitive.
0: Now, you mentioned that often shadow IT is used for convenience or productivity reasons. How often do you think shadow IT is used with malicious intent?
1: There's nothing out there, Marianne, that tells us how often individuals actually use it for malicious intent, but we certainly know that some might. It typically when it when it is malicious intended, it's when they're trying to hide something that they're doing from the organization. So like for instance when you you know you started this conversation talking about Mrs. Clinton using her personal mail. You know, one of the ways that, that you can get around having the organization know who you're talking to or what you're talking about is by using your personal mail as opposed to your corporate mail because it's outside the system and they don't have access to it. So, if you're trying to disguise or hide or have conversations so to speak that are unofficial, then perhaps you would you would use a personal mail for that purpose.
0: Now, how about the use of mobile devices? There's a lot of talk about bringing your own device and whether or not organizations sanction it or not. How much of mobile device use do you think is? in the shadows there's
1: quite a bit one of the things that that we see all the time talking to our hospitals is is that when they begin to monitor their networks and monitor what's being connected to their networks they see quite a few different devices that are being connected to their network that have not been sanctioned or that are not under their control or are not protected properly. And, and so that's a big issue. It's not just these applications that folks enable or have the ability to enable uh, on their system or on the hospital systems, but it's also the, the devices that they connect. So we've seen things like, for instance, remote storage devices connected to networks where the user uh, connects a, a mobile storage device to their computer uh, and stores information in there as opposed to storing it on the network
0: so mac what is your advice for entities in terms of detecting preventing and circumventing these types of shadow it being used in their organizations whether it's mobile devices or email or other apps or other technologies for that matter
1: my first advice is is that you need to expect it you know i think this is another one of those cases of the you know the proverbial cows already out of the barn shutting the barn doors now isn't going to isn't going to stop it. So I think first of all, you need to do multiple things, but I think you need to find a balance between giving your staff the flexibility to be innovative and, and to use different tools that may make them more productive, may make them more efficient, may, may actually produce a better product, but at the same time providing you with the level of control that you need to ensure that you don't get sideways with a compliance requirement or, or a SOX requirement perhaps in terms of financial information or or protecting patient information from a, a proprietary or a, a privacy perspective. So. The first thing is establish a set of policies. Make sure that it's clear what your policy is with respect to software as a service, with respect to uh, infrastructure as a service, with respect to mobile devices connecting to your environment, So that and, and communicate that to your staff so that they actually understand what your policy is with respect to, to these things. The second thing is you need to also, at the same time you're doing that, because you need to create this balance, you need to make sure that you're paying attention to security, so you do need to deploy, for instance, advanced malware detection solutions, etc., to help protect your environment so that if somebody does download something, it doesn't end up uh, affecting the, the network adversely because it had some malware content associated with it that you didn't have a system to detect. I think you need to... Think about setting up a, a secure way or a secure manner for, for folks to do this. In other words, if you want to let people use these different tools and these different productivity suites, etc., then perhaps set up a secure way for users to access these different SaaS tools in an environment where it doesn't put the rest of the network at risk. So maybe perhaps you you create a part of your network that permits this to happen in a way for them to log into that in a secure manner so that it doesn't necessarily create a risk for the rest of the environment. You need to make sure that that you're also employing other mitigating controls uh, like solutions that restrict certain functionality on certain uh, applications or enable encryption or, or, or force encryption before files can be stored on some certain storage or in certain applications or in Certain storage solutions, etc. So these, you know, most of these apps, Marianne themselves, are not necessarily the problem. The problem is how they're implemented. The problem is how they're controlled. The problem is how the user uses them. But if there were ways that the user could acquire these applications in a safe manner have them set up properly and use them in a smart fashion, then they're just like any other app. They're typically a productivity tool. You need to deploy data loss prevention also to monitor traffic and stop leakage. So if you're going to allow this more flexible environment where you're going to allow people to use these different software service applications, et cetera, or services, then you want to monitor your, your data a little bit more closely so that they don't put sensitive information or PHI out there in these applications so that you have something that's monitoring your traffic and monitoring your, especially your outbound traffic, and making sure that you don't have sensitive information going places that you don't want it to go. And you need to monitor your network for connections. This is, you know, this is one of those things where we we oftentimes we per, we permit way too much local admin use we permit way too much openness with respect to ports and USB drives etc and so and we don't and we're not monitoring actively what's being connected to our network we need to do a better job of that so that when these devices get connected that are not authorized or that are new that there's some kind of a message sent to IT that says, there's a new device over there in in the emergency department that we don't recognize. You know, what do you want me to do with it? So that they can go over and have a conversation with the user and and ask, you know, what's going on here? What is this device? Why is it connected? Why do you need this? It may be that it's very legitimate. And if it's legitimate, then that's where the flexibility comes in in your program and saying, okay, that's fine, but let's find a way for you to use this thing safely and let's find a way for you to use it in a secure manner or maybe that it's really not necessary there's an app they already have applications available to them that will do whatever that the function is that this thing does and there's no reason for it to be there and it's maybe something that's not as secure or as, as safe as what you already have and you say you know what this is one that we're not going to allow and then you remove it from the network but This balance that you have to strike has to be protected by controls and monitoring and and good policy and and then communication with the users.
0: Do you get the sense that there were any red flags in the Clinton email situation that got missed that other entities should be on the lookout for in situations like this?
1: No, I I don't because, and again, I don't know all of the specifics of of the Clinton email situation, but if she was literally using a private email server to communicate. There's virtually no way for the organization to know that. So for instance, if I had a if I had personal email and I and I wanted to communicate through my personal email with someone, you know, my company would not have access to my personal email and would not be able to see that going on. So there's it's not like there's something there that necessarily the company could do to defend against that. Now, if the company allows personal email from its environment, then it can use DLP to monitor the traffic that's going through that personal email, and it could detect when that personal email is communicating information that's not appropriate. But if a person literally decides to communicate on a separate mail system outside of the company, it's really almost impossible for the organization to detect that because they would have no knowledge of it.
0: Finally, aside from the State Department controversy, how big of a problem do you think shadow IT is for other federal or state government agencies in general? And is the Clinton email situation more of an anomaly or is the use of shadow IT in government entities more common than we think?
1: But I think the the crux of it is that it's prevalent everywhere. You have to understand the nature of shadow IT, and, and that is that shadow IT is not a phenomena that's just associated with somebody trying to do the wrong thing. Shadow IT, as I said at the beginning, is, is most often associated with people who are just trying to get the job done or trying to get it done more efficiently or more effectively or, or in a way that to them makes more sense. And so it's it's very prevalent. It's, it's prevalent, I think, in all sectors of IT, whether it's the private sector or the public sector in the government. I think certain organizations probably have better control over their environments and better control of it. I know certainly within the Department of Defense, for instance, where I worked and in the intelligence community, you know, because of the level of security on their systems and the level of control and monitoring uh, that they have on in their environment, I think it would be very difficult for shadow IT to go undetected for any period of time. But in other environments where it's not quite as sophisticated in terms of security because the level of risk is not as high or more open, you're going to see more shadow IT. You know, you go to organizations where they are very creative or developmental, for instance, and shadow IT is going to be even more of an issue than, say, organizations that are much more structured and controlled in what they're doing. But shadow IT is what it is. It's people wanting to find new ways to do things, to be innovative, to use new tools, secure. It's, it's efficiency, it's convenience it's a lot of different things and it's something that's part of who we are today I mean you look at the younger generations in particular these folks have a device connected to their hand at birth right? And, and they're used to downloading countless apps and programs on their phones, on their pads you name it and using those things and so they're very comfortable in that and so when they go to work they go to work and they bring that with them And I think organizations have to recognize that you know this is not something that's going to go away. You're going to have to create, you're going to have to find a way to embrace this innovative use of of new programs and software and technology, et cetera, but in a way that's that's safe and, and secure. And I think the way to do that is, first and foremost, is work with your users, educate them, communicate with them often, give them an avenue for using these things that permits them to, to bring that innovation to the workplace, but at the same time with an understanding that, oh, we still have to be responsible in what we're doing. And, oh, by the way, we're going to be monitoring the network, and we're going to be looking for rogue connections or new software that we don't recognize. And when we find it, we're going to have a conversation with you.
0: Thanks, Mac. I've been speaking to Mac McMillan. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.